Hey yo. Hello. Hello. Facebook Live. We are here in the flesh on the mics. <clears throat> dropping beats about things. <laughs> so um we're gonna take a minute and, and kind of let let some people roll in here. But um so welcome. This will be a cooking show. This is yeah, this is a new cooking show that we have. <laughs> We've left a lot of space uh, to really work here, so this should be a, a pretty cluttered experience. Um, so what we're doing, um, it uh, it came up uh, some time ago where, well, let, well, let's talk about the past uh, kind of changes over the past six months, I guess. Sure. Because this is why why doing something like this. Is so, uh, those of you that know. Um, I uh, recently uh, was uh, producing and co-hosting on the Vox podcast with Mike Erie, um, who I love and adore and love doing on that show. Um, and that, and for a long time, that was a critical part of Vox community as far as mm -hmm. a place that other conversations could be had um, beyond the church conversations. Another entry morning. point. Yeah, and another entry point for people to be engaged. I mean, originally it was the first entry point that we had for engaging with Vox community um, and doing that kind of thing for a long time. Um, I recently uh, did leave that show uh, about a month and a half ago, um, really because uh, there's a lot of new stuff going on here at Vox Community that uh, I want to give attention to and they make a lot of time for. Um, simultaneously, um, I do a little bit of by, uh, by vocation and I help some other people launch podcasts. Um, my wife is one of those people. I also uh, creative direct on a project that she's doing. And so there's just other things that I'm a bit invested in that I want to put more time towards. And I feel like I was able to send Mike out and get it going. He's still doing the show, mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it sounds great. great. The content is still great. And um, I would, if you don't listen to it, I would encourage you, please go and listen, because even for us, they're still continuing to inform a lot of things yes. that I want to engage in. Um, even specifically today, you'll see in the comments that uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today is kind of what's the most appropriate posture when discussing and engaging mm -hmm. politics, whether you're a church leader or you're a Christian and love to get on Facebook and, and go bananas, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Uh, Mike just did um, a response to um, the immigration conversation, the Romans 13 mentioned from uh, Jeff Sessions. And so just so good. It was a good one. Yeah, it was a really, really good one. So even that one's going to somewhat inform some of the things that we'll talk about today with how we engage politics and remember when we, we consider what we're talking about and, and what we're trying to accomplish. So, uh, but just a little bit more. So, uh, for, so for this, um, you know, Ronnie brought up to me, he's like, hey, I, w I would think I would still love to do a podcast where we have a place to do these other conversations similar right. to what we were doing on, on the Vox podcast, um, but even more as um, a response um, to you all who are part of the community um, and our own responses as folks leading this church and trying to understand how, to, how do we continue to wade into uh, where the world is at, you know, us included in that, uh, where the church is at in that world. Mm -hmm. um, and and how do we continue to respond in healthy ways that help to make Jesus beautiful and, and help us to really make sense of, of what faith looks like um, in our modern day. Um, so that was, so this show is something that Ronnie and I, we're going to try to do once a week yep. um, on Thursdays around this time. So one thirty, two o'clock, uh, we're going to try to jump Which on here. Which is perfect if you're working. Yeah. That's the time where you want to take a nap. Yes. So exactly. You've just eaten your full, <laughs> you're sitting in your cubicle right now and you're right. like, uh, so, you know, hopefully either one, we're going to help you fall asleep and, and do that. Now. Right. Yep. Or two, we're going to help keep you awake um, so the boss doesn't catch you. So yep. Lumberg isn't sitting over your, uh, your cubicle wall Lumberg. with his coffee cup. <laughs> That's a good pull. That's a fave. That's a fave. But uh, yeah, Ronnie, what's, kinda, what's your thoughts on getting this started? Yeah, I think uh, one of the conversations that we had was uh, I think that the Vox podcast uh, created an avenue and a space to have conversations about things we couldn't necessarily always have from the front on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning. So um, you know, well, and, and, you know, it, it actually gives us a chance to respond to things happening in real time as well, too. So, uh, in the event that something happens, you know, recently, like what happened politically or, you know, uh, we're just able to have a, a moment in the week to sort of respond to it. And I think, uh, what I find fascinating about the Facebook live medium is being able to invite you, the listener into the conversation, uh, take questions and then, you know, do our best to answer it. And, uh, even when we don't have the right answers, you know, we're, we're still going to answer it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll do our best, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited. Uh, I think it's just like, like we said earlier, just another avenue for people to engage, uh, in what we're doing at Vox and, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, one thing we talked about was, you know, we could have just done another kind of podcast, like where Ronnie and I just sat and talked about these things on a microphone and got it recorded. But, um, over the past couple of years, uh, with Facebook live, um, even Ronnie and his recent appearance here, um, sharing a little bit about his story. 
um, we just realized that we really did want to create a, a place where you can and actually in real time engage with us um, in this conversation. So uh, I've mentioned um, up in the status to uh, leave questions you have along the way in the comments. We will always leave time at the end of the show uh, to try and address those and, and speak to those. But, um, you know, our whole idea, again, was just creating more space um, for bigger right. engagement, for more extended engagement. Uh, for us, like, we've really felt like Sundays is a wonderful place to take advantage of all the things that you can't do kind of alone, you know, mm -hmm. like things mm -hmm. that do have a lot of meaning in community, right. um, including worship, including Eucharist, um, including, um, you know, even, even corporate teaching kind of has a different flavor. You can go anywhere 24, you know, 24 seven and get some of the best teaching worldwide. Right. So even that's, you know, we don't hold that as the most important thing. Um, answering some questions on Sunday morning um, can be helpful because we definitely want to show that we're willing to engage and talk about yes. anything in the church. Right. At the same time, we do recognize that, answering those things from a stage and talking about those things from a stage doesn't necessarily create a way for you all to actually right. continue to engage and call out. I mean, I'd, I'd love to be more a part of a, a smaller church where you could be mid sermon and someone's just like, wait, 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 hold yeah. on. Can you, can you explain that thing again? Or what about this? Or what about that? I mean, right. I'm sure maybe really small churches are able to do that. Um, our church, I mean, I don't know. We could, but I don't know if our, our local culture is, is there, right? Is willing to engage that or knows how to engage that yet. And maybe it's not even appropriate for the audience if you're there, right. but but this I think does because you know you're sitting at a place, you're either at home or you're at work, and you feel like, yeah, I, I, something strikes you and you go, I want to ask a question, you can do it and you can tackle it. So, yep, absolutely. So, um, uh, again, if you're popping in and you're watching, uh, make sure to say hello so we know that, uh, that you're there. Sunil, we see you, uh, Raymond, we see you, Kat, we see you, Kelly, we see you. Um, and also, for, if you're listening to this after the fact, um, you know, you can't, if you don't have Facebook, great. You know, this is, again, I'm going to be taking this recording. I'll put it in the Vox Community uh, podcast feed. I'll also be downloading the video and putting the video on the website as well. So because I have talked to a number of people lately who actually don't want to be on Facebook anymore based on a lot of the data privacy issues. I get it. And so I'm not, you know, we're not trying to create something here that's exclusive only for Facebook listeners. This is just one of the live outlets we have. Um, that we feel good about using. And so, but I will download this content and post it to our other avenues to make sure that it, it keeps going out there and, and doing all that. Hey, what's up, Shelly? So, yeah, um, so yeah, so uh, we're going to get into it. We're just going to kind of frame up um, some stuff that we'll be doing into the future with this show, what we have in mind. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about the vision of, of what does it mean for this church to be the safest place to talk yeah. about anything. Because I love it. Really, this is a, an expression of that idea itself. And then um, we'll kind of get into a little bit of topical discussion um, around what I mentioned earlier with uh, discussing and engaging politics. So it's good. Um, but yeah, Ronnie, I mean, uh, maybe tell a little bit about um, some of your, your journey in the church, but sure. why like a, a, a core value point, you know, the church you know, must be the safest place to talk about anything. How, how and why is that compelling in context to maybe your own experience and journey? Absolutely. So I think for me, I didn't grow up in the church. Uh, which is an important fact. So I came into her church world uh, later on in life, around 25, um, not really knowing much about anything for that matter. Uh, and I think when I entered into that culture, the culture that I entered into was a very, um, how do I say it? Uh, I guess it wasn't super safe. Uh, you know, we, we talk about that in terms of, you know, being a safe place to talk about anything. Uh, the church culture I, I entered into wasn't necessarily a safe place. Uh, doubt and skepticism particularly uh, were not things that were uh, upheld as like great values. Uh, but for someone like me, uh, you know, I, I, going to school, I became a biologist. So science major, you know, I'm, all, I'm just person, my personality is very much about doubt and skepticism. I've got lots of questions. I don't necessarily believe everything I hear right off the bat. And so, you know, I'm always kind of going, hey, I don't know if I believe that. And where's there space for me to ask those questions? But the other side of that coin is the, the church culture I entered into uh, was also very much about having the right answer, about always being right and about being, you know, having the truth. And so, you know, a place that's not, uh, not welcoming to doubt and skepticism and a place that is so, like, so, stringent on having the truth and the right answers all the time. It's just not a very safe place. Uh, and as such, it sort of shaped me. And I, you know, found myself in ministry having, you know, sort of repeating that same kind of culture and in, in conversations with people and uh, sort of had a crisis of faith at, at some certain points, you know, different points of, of my life going through ministry. I've been in ministry a little over 12, 15 years, about 15 years now. 
So it's, it's been interesting uh, coming to Vox now and being able to engage in dialogue with people who have honest questions, who, you know, don't get everything in the Bible and who are seriously just saying, hey, I, it's, not that I, it's not that I don't, I don't want to be in. It's that I have questions and I don't know where to go with these questions. And so uh, it's a huge relief because I think our culture, um, when I say our culture, I mean Vox staff, you, I don't take people's questions as an affront to what I believe, right? right. You know, cause yeah. so often people feel like you can't, if you're questioning what I, what I'm saying, then you're questioning what I believe. And I, it's like, nah, no, I, I mean, there's room for that. Right. Um, and I don't have it all figured out. And so I'm on this journey trying to, to work my way through it. And so, uh, I think just being able to create space to say, Hey, we don't know everything. And, you know, we're willing to have conversations around those things. And, the church, especially us, doesn't need to have the final say in it. So, um, yeah, I think this is a, a huge new journey for me personally uh, in terms of act- actively engaging in these conversations. So, yeah, uh, you know. Yeah. Nice. What, uh, just, just so other people understand, what, what's at least your, your you know, ministry training, educational background, you know, as far as where you click in and a little bit of what your, yeah. your kind of ministry passion is or like as a pastor, what are you really clicking to? Yeah. So, you know, biology under, undergrad, and then right now I'm working through uh, a master's at Hope uh, International, and there's a, an emphasis in Bible, but also leadership. And so for me, what I really, really uh, have you know, found myself connecting with is the spiritual look like to actually have spiritual formation as a part of your daily life, but also as your church. Because see, that's the other thing. So in a church context, uh, the ones that I, that I came, became a part of, Spiritual formation was broken down into basically reading the Bible, praying, and journaling. And that was it. And so, you know, you realize that it's pretty, it's pretty shallow. Uh, there's not a lot of depth there, and that gets old pretty quick. Um, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, and then you, you layer that on top of shame and guilt for not, for, you know, for not doing it or for missing a day or for, yeah. you know. And then it just becomes this exhausting thing, and you just feel like, okay, nothing's ever going to change for me. So I think engaging the spiritual practices in new ways has sort of opened up my mind and my perspective about how we engage and how we connect with, um, with God. And I think people are unaware of how they actually engage with God on a daily basis. They just don't have a name for it, you know? Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's really part. I think that's my passion for Vox um, is that how do we take this church and, and help them engage in spiritual transformative practices? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Very cool. And uh, you, yeah. tell, us, tell us about you. Yeah, so um, my uh, my church upbringing um, was actually was pretty traditional, conservative traditional, um, in the sense that uh, you know it was really long for one. <laughs> um, I think our church maybe was only about 100, 150 people or so, a lot of families. But even then, the you know youth group I was a part of was basically maybe ten or twelve people, but it only ranged from the ages of like seventh grade to early college. Like that was the youth group, right? So it was middle school, high school, college combined. And so how do you, how do you actually, you know, lead like a, a small right. group of kids like who are, who are that age group um, effectively and well. Um, and so uh, no like instruments for music, wow. like we only sang hymns. Wow. Um, it was a little bit of, you know, kind of dress up to come to church, that kind of thing. So there's a bit of a Sunday's best kind of yeah, perspective yeah, there yeah. too. Um, as I was kind of, I think, probably discovering more of my musical interests, my more creative interests. Um, in some ways, it felt like there wasn't room in the church for mm-hmm. that, you know, because I was, at the time I was playing like, you know, actually wood instruments like in school, mm-hmm. like I wasn't playing guitar mm-hmm. yet. Um, but it was, it, it just, the space itself didn't seem to lend to any identity that I could almost click into. It was really just like, if I, to be a good Christian probably meant that um, now I was uh, volunteering to like pass communion mm-hmm. or I was volunteering mm-hmm. to you know, right. lead worship, but oh my gosh, am I leading worship after use a pitch pipe? I have to like, you know, like it's kind a of, pitch pipe. what is was, a pitch pipe? Right. It, it was terrifying. Do you know what a pitch pipe is? Is that that little thing they go? Yeah. Oh that, my little, God. that little disc. It has like, it has all the, um, it's, it's circle ridiculous. of fifth. It's like the little notes around it. You blow into it to kind of get. That's a to real it. thing. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so right. yeah. So it, 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 it felt like, you know, this is great on your comments of uh, like spiritual formation. There really wasn't a road for the idea of right. spiritual formation. Um, one, I don't think there was even really strong um, kind of any kind of practicalism regarding evangelism. Like what does it mean to really evangelize mm. and, and to love neighbor and to love mm-hmm. stranger and to do that. Um, and, I, and that's probably my own immaturity of being younger and not really grabbing mm-hmm. onto that. Cause I think that 
I remember being a part of the, the youth group and feeling like it didn't quite relate. Mm -hmm. So I go sit with my parents, but even then some of it didn't relate. Right. So I, I just kind of felt a little bit lost and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, granted, I still like became a believer at 13, got baptized at the church camp that we went to, um, led to faith through, I mean, you know, a very stereotypical nerdy kid who mm -hmm. had red hair, freckles, glasses, no one liked him. Which kind of makes my story beautiful, to be That's honest. Funny. Like the least of these in the social context was the one who shared Jesus yeah. with me that I really was like, I want wow. that. You know, so um, I've always kind of grabbed on to my, my faith being my own. I didn't, like my parents weren't even there. I mean, the people who witnessed the baptism, I think it was like my best friend at the time, that kid, Johnny, and like one of the pastors there. And like, that was it. Wow. So it just, it felt very personal. It felt very real. It wow. felt, you know, it wasn't a big emotional response to anything. And so I think I've been fortunate that that was my entry point. Because then as I kind of left the established church model mm -hmm. in my late teens and was mm -hmm. like, I don't want to go to church anymore. And I don't really connect with like organizational church leadership. Um, I really, my relationship with Jesus was really you know, strong in the sense of it felt real. Mm -hmm. I wasn't maybe like this on fire Christian that people think that you are when you have oh, a that's good a great relationship. Right? On fire. Yeah, that's a good one. But I definitely felt like Jesus is real in my life. He's someone that I can give my life to and operate by and listen to and submit to and try to figure mm -hmm. out life through, right? Huge. And so even when I was touring, playing music and all of that, it, that was just very much a real thing. Anyways, fast forward through a ton of trauma and, and all those kinds of fun things. I, I only started church ministry in the past six years. Um, but, you know, I, my, my church experiences, to be honest, in the past six years have been, have been good experiences That's for good. the most part. I would say my quote-unquote deconstruction season was actually in that late teens, early 20s period. Mm. So um, it was coming back to Rock Harbor, and Mike was teaching at that time, mm -hmm. but that really kind of brought all that to life and brought a lot more texture and practicality to what does it really mean to, you know, to press into life with Jesus mm -hmm. and figure that kind of stuff out. So mm -hmm. uh, my big kind of deconstruction moment was actually learning to forgive the church for all its weird ways it was trying to reach me, which then called me into trying to do it. I was like, if, if I believe that there's a better way, then maybe I just need to be a part of it. Right. And so um, that's really been my kind of personal journey over the past maybe 10 years now of, of re-engaging uh, church culture, church life, faith, and all those things. But um so, you know, to start Vox and to enter these dialogues and create a space that says we should be willing to just have conversations mm -hmm. about all these things. And, you know, there's it, to me that that core value is hinged on a couple points. One, um, you know, one of our taglines at Vox, the, main, the big one is safe to belong. Right now, we're safe to belong. You know, if depending on your take mm -hmm. could suggest, oh, you can just come in and do whatever you want kind of be anonymous, you know, right. not really grow in your faith, not really be challenged and that kind of thing. And sure, maybe if you if you go into any church and act anonymous, sure. you could technically pull that off sure. for, for the most part. But granted that it's a public statement for us, it's actually a bit of an invitation to say, you know, we're all here to challenge whatever it is that we think we know mm. in hopes that we find a more beautiful Jesus. Like I can't be, if I want to see Jesus as beautifully as possible, it means that parts of me are going to have to die mm. and certain identities are going to be challenged right and certain things i click into are going to be challenged and i'm saying like, i'm graciously willing to be challenged by those things to sit with people who might oppose my thinking who might be in contrary to my thinking maybe even doctrinally mm. but it's really because we're all trying to do this together and we're in process together because at the end of the day we're really trying to find out what what do we need to do so that we can go in the world and be gospel people yeah and so um that's so a for the church to be the safest place to talk about anything we have to be willing to sit in challenging conversations yeah. and, and let and put some of this stuff down. To, I loved what you said too, is that when someone challenges or asks a question of you, it's not to question your belief, but <laughs> you know, but rather just to maybe that person is just trying to have a deeper understanding. Right. You know, it's not an affront. Right. It's just a, it's their way of trying to understand Absolutely. what are you talking about? Right. It, and so, um, and, and to your point, uh, not to stop you from your thought, but I think where we see even today in our culture outside of church is this, this, erosion of civil discourse right like the ability to have conversations and disagree on things right um if the church is actually going to want to make a change it's got to start there i mean that's right. my thinking it's like it, we, we can't even have you know civil dialogue and conversations and disagreement in the church uh and then we see it happening in culture how is that ever going to change you know right. so i think this is a great starting ground and starting place to say like hey we don't have to all agree on everything mm -hmm. um you know we can still have 
conversations, love each other and, and you know, work through the process together. So right. anyway, right. So yeah, so um, before we kind of get into this little topic that we'll have today, um, on average, I don't know, our show might be 30 minutes, might be 45. I don't know if they're really great. They might be an hour. We're just, we're not going to hold it. Facebook lets us go infinitely. <laughs> so you can blame it on Facebook if the show goes too long. Just filibuster for like, exactly. <laughs> three days. Filibuster the church. What does that look like? <laughs> Um, okay, but um, so with what Ronnie said though too, I mean, our goal is we will uh, make an effort to bring in some people who probably disagree with us yeah, on some things. Absolutely. Like we're, we're totally willing for that. Um, we will have guests on this show. Um, we will do this show from different places. So right now we're at Ronnie's house, but I mean, you might catch us by the pool. You might catch us downtown <laughs> be the at a restaurant. Episode. So that, you know, we're going to have some fun with this. But um, specifically, I'm looking forward to um, a guest who I'll, I'll leave nameless at this point. But I can tell you that she has offered to take us to the border to actually mm. do a show mm. to talk about some things that are going on as of late, too. So I'm really excited yes. for that one. That, be great. that could be pretty wild and pretty fun. So um, we'll do that. But, uh, yep, on this show, um, tune in on Thursdays. Uh, it's when we'll be doing this around this time. Um, you'll probably catch us, like I said, anywhere. We're going to bring in guests. We're going to talk to other people about this. Um, we don't have a name for this show. Currently, I just put up their Vox Community Live. Um, I don't know. If you guys have a fun name for this yeah. show, uh, you know, it could just be called Randy. You know, the Randy show. There you go. Which is kind of, you know, awesome. <laughs> the Randy. <laughs> but doesn't Randy have like a, doesn't it have a weird cultural context in like, in like England? Austin Powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's not the best name, but okay i'll concede oh, your point uh yeah. and also maybe if you have topics and ideas and things you want to hear about then you know submit those as well yep yep for future shows and so and if you're if you're listening you're not on facebook here's another thing we'll do is when i post the show i'm going to put it into an actual like blog feed and archive feed on the website so i'll activate comments there so if you're listening you can go and engage with us there we'll try to respond to comments on the website as well as respond to comments on the facebook too so i don't want us to be too exclusive mm -hmm. by saying it's only a Facebook thing. If you're out there and you want to engage in this conversation, um, you'll be able to go to the website and go to that archive and go to this episode. Um, or if you want, um, you know, tweet us at uh, Vox Community or uh, if you do Twitter and that sort of thing, or I don't know, email us at info at voxoc.com. Yep. So if you have questions, um, throw them in there uh, for the live show on Facebook and we'll, we'll, we can bring those up there. So it's good. Okay. Um, that's enough setup and enough backstory. So that's that. So today, uh, we just want to spend a little bit of time um, talking about politics, but with, with a, a bit of specificity. Obviously, recently in the past week, there's been a ton of conversation and Whatever do you conflict mean? and tension amongst a number of things. Um, so we're not necessarily going to get into the specific response to that stuff. Mm -hmm. But what I do want to do is, you know, we have to keep having this conversation. There's been so many conversations I've listened to about this, but it, for the billions of people that actually exist in this world, we need to keep having the conversation of what does it mean or how do we have an appropriate posture when talking about politics and when talking about mm. these things, especially as people who call themselves followers of Jesus um, and all of that. So um, we're going to try to get into that a little bit, maybe just call out a few points of, of what seems a bit critical to, to keep in mind mm -hmm. um, when we go there. So again, if you have questions along the way, please leave them in the comments. Um, we'll address them at the end. And um, yeah, so, so let's get going on that. Yep. Um, man, where to start? So, uh, <laughs> okay, I have a question. Okay. So Sky Jatani talked a little bit on the podcast before yeah. about his belief that actually the church should be political. Uh, and he made a very distinct uh, line between politics or political versus partisan. You want to talk a little bit about that? And, yeah, uh, that's great. Right. That's be? perfect. Yep, that's a perfect. Great. Um, yeah. So um, uh, I've had a recent conversation with Sky Jatani on the Box Podcast Show. But uh, to, to Ronnie's point, what he just said, he's is he thinks that the church should be more politically active in its voice, mm -hmm. but just not bipartisan. So yeah, right. what what does that actually mean? Uh, Mike also says that if you are a Jesus follower, it does have political ramifications. Right. So I think I think that's another great way to kind of go from that same direction. I think Sky's making a good point because in some ways, most churches avoid the conversation of politics altogether in the church. Right. And largely, the danger of that comes down to the fact that we live in now. Some people may think that our current system is oppressive, and in some ways, mm -hmm. and depending on where you're coming from, 
there's definitely certain aspects of systematic oppression that do exist. Sure. Um, I think when we look at the, the early church, you know, specifically, that kind of oppression looks a lot different than mm. the kind of oppression mm-hmm. that we have. We're talking Roman over Jewish culture, right. you know, that we're not going to be able to directly relate with that. So we have to hold that into context really, really well. Whenever we're yes. reading um, New Testament content and then trying to trying to bring, obviously, political alignment with those kinds of things, right. that's the danger of that. Right. To Sky's point, it's like this. If, if Jesus is basically saying that, like, you know, love your neighbor, <laughs> that has political ramifications. Right. Because as we start to bring down, well, who is your neighbor? Right. You know, it's like we can use kind of laws of the land and other things to protect us and keep us in-house that never creates connection with neighbor. Mm-hmm. But in a way, to love neighbor actually in some ways is living out a different aspect of both, I think, social kind of relationship and political relationship, yeah. right? Because if I, um, it all depends on my perception of how I see, like, you know, illegal immigrants, for example, mm-hmm. or undocumented you know, immigrants. Mm-hmm. If I hold a perspective that if they're here, you're breaking the law. And therefore, my, my, the identity in which I see them through is criminal. Right. Well, that's obviously going to change how I, quote, unquote, love my neighbor. Right. 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 So that's going to, you know, so then for me, especially in this climate, if I'm going to practice love towards that person to someone else. That's going to have a, a political ramification. Right. right. If I bring them into my home, let's say I find out that someone's an undocumented immig- uh, you know, immigrant. A, do, what risk do I put myself by bringing them into my home? Mm-hmm. Am I going to call, you know, ICE and, and have them come over? And, you know what I mean? It's like, do right. I have a responsibility to uphold the law? Right. You know, based on the law-abiding citizenship. Right. Um, you know, so those are, that's the interesting part about it. It's like, regardless of maybe what I believe, or, or maybe regardless of what I believe about the policy itself, how I act in the moment actually is somewhat of a political response, sure. you know, in practicing, you know, what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, for when Sky is doing a lot of his kind of content, that's what he's kind of bringing attention to. Mm-hmm. Mike did kind of talk about this. Um, he a lot talked about this on his last podcast for immigration in Romans 13, really about the idea that, you know, um, you know Jesus's authority is the allegiance, mm-hmm. you know, allegiance to nation does not come before allegiance to Jesus. Yes. He breaks down a lot of what Romans 13. But, that, but see, here's where I think that gets confusing for a lot of, you know, conservative evangelicals is that their assumption somehow is that by uh, the allegiance to the law is in this sort of indirect way, allegiance to God, right? If, okay. if you believe that the Romans, read, thir- yeah, if you, you read, read Romans 13, 13 on right. that, in that kind of right. that perspective, then yes, right. it's, yes, it, it feels like that. Yeah. Um, where, you know, to, for a moment to talk about that, it, where is what Paul is actually saying, A, in suggesting that, um, governing authority is servants of the Lord, mm-hmm. what he is actually getting at, uh, and obviously Mike breaks this down a lot better, so I'm giving you more of a response to what Mike said and trying to um, give you guys a different articulation. But what Paul is actually pointing out, you know, when he's saying pray for leaders and, and, and mm-hmm. do that kind of thing, he's saying for those who have chosen the path mm-hmm. to therefore pursue power, to mm-hmm. be influencers over culture, mm-hmm. God still has control over them and has power right. over them. So it's, it's to say that no matter who you think is in power, God is actually always going to be the one in power. Mm-hmm. And he also talks about don't return evil with evil. So to suggest that if government, however, is not operating in a way that is of the goodness of God, mm-hmm. don't evilly respond in the same way. You know, like whatever, a government agent kills your brother, so therefore you go kill a government agent, God would not call that justice. Right. What he would call in is like if that killing was systematically supported through government, he would say protest in all of like the, the, the best ways that you can right. without basically committing, you know, evil crime. Right. You, you know, still got to create, you still have to have love of neighbor. Yes. As the forefront. Exactly. Right. Right. Love of neighbor, abiding in goodness, like still operating out of the fruits of the spirit in the way that you stand in contrary to a system that you would deem as, you know, not actually upholding what God would want. Right. So, but that's why we're called to pray for our leaders in that, is to say, God, intervene, mm. you know, should this start to go south? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, so it's, you can, you can disagree to the moon about whichever president and what they're doing. Praying for them is not saying, I like them. Right. You know, it's saying that like, it's a big, it's if, a good I, if, I, if I think that something is going wrong, I'm asking that God exercise his intervention and power to influence that situation. Right. You know, one of the things that I learned, you know, through the early narrative of Adam and Eve and all of that is that God designed humans as a being of influence. Mm. Our free will allows us to choose what influence that we take. 
right? So it's like the more influence you take of Jesus and try to get there, you know, then yes, you're going to be influenced by that. But the second you start to tie yourself to other connection points, other identities and other things of the world, you will then start to reflect those things back. Right. And so it's just, it's important then if you are going to take the steps to get into local government, to get into school government, to get into any form in which you are going to take on that aspect of influence and authority over people, mm. you must enter it understanding that God is the one who ultimately right. can intervene right. and may intervene and completely humble you. Right. So it's like the, you know, the, the Christian response to taking on positions of power is really going into something where you are releasing power constantly and trying to find, right. you know, it's just so different. It's so different. Right. Like where is the bedrock? in which your identity exists and where you are weak in comparison to God. Sure. And to which, and I do believe that if you were in a position of governing power and you were truly asking that God completely take the wheel on it, then I think he would. Right. You know, but I, I think in, in a right relationship and if you were doing that, well, I, I do think that we would see the fruit of right. what we see as God's actual nature. And I think that's part of some of the tension of a lot of this stuff is that many of us might feel that what's happening right now does not seem like a reflection of God's nature, especially when Bible verses are used to justify what seems, right. you know, biblically inappropriate. Right. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I think to what you're, you're saying and your point, uh, go back to Genesis and when God creates man and woman, there's a very clear uh, directive in there, which is rule with me. Right. Yeah. So I right. think that's that's a key a key point. Like you're saying, if you're going to establish or, or enter into some establishment where you take on power and authority, uh, it's not and, and, you know transform transform to where we're at now, transport to where we're at now. We're such a a, a culture of consumerism and capitalism. So it's take right. It's 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 like right. climb the ladder as any ways you can. Like you say, give away power. Like that's so opposite. No, no, no. Don't give away power. Consolidate power. Take as much as you can and, and go after it. Uh, but I think that's sort of antithetical to what what you know the Genesis narrative is saying is that you know no, we're doing this together. We're doing this. We recognize that God uh, has created a platform and an avenue for us to rule this world with Him. Um, and so I, I think so many you know so many leaders misconstrue that you know and, and get that wrong. Like you're saying, you know, if, if you're coming in into that context, uh, a Christian context, as you know, understanding that is important. But right, well, and, and um, with the idea that like, like God, I think God ordains and blesses the idea of human order mm -hmm. because it, it seems like a reflection of Imago Day, right? Right. It's just the the difference that I think we have to acknowledge as followers of Jesus is that. We hold an aspect of participation that you're saying, but we don't also hold the final authority. Right. Right. And so right. it's like we, you know, we believe that the final authority is held for Jesus. We are responding to that authority and recognizing where the true power is. Right. But in order for us to see that we have to let go of more of ourselves right. and release power, you know, so that that's the real power that can actually take Correct. place in our lives. And so, but I think that for us to seek peace, to seek reconciliation, to do those things, it means that there's a, there's actually an order. Um, there's actually an ordain. How do I say this? I think that God has ordained the idea of order itself. Like oh, the yeah. idea of governing is actually a God idea. Right. It's just not, it isn't what we see nowadays. And I see that in the sense of, even go back to Old Testament, that the idea of, I think, um, earth leadership mm -hmm. was, a, was a concession. Right. We see that in judges. We see it in kings. Right. You know, like, you know, the people wanted a leader. The people wanted right. a king. And let's not forget they had one. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. and, and God's like, I'm okay. I'm here. I'm right. physically present. I am this giant pillar of smoke and you right. still want, you know, right. a leader. Right. right. Um, and, and for many of us, that's going to feel way too supernatural. It's like, no, no, I need someone I can relate with. Right. Which perhaps is why we have Jesus to this day. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it's even for, the, the kind of micro ordinance and the micro government and the big God kind of picture. Um, that's, that's the thing you have to remember that if you are a person involving yourself into political leadership, local leadership, and all of that, even if you're just going to be, you know, being the master coordinator for the PTA at your school, right. like you are taking hold of some form of influence over a particular amount mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. And even in that God will, you know, come down and participate with you, right. you know, as a way, because if we're trying to create flourishing communities, mm -hmm. it means that anyone who's going to choose to take on the responsibility of creating order and doing that yes. needs to be, or it should be in participation with God to really see the, the, the biggest bearings of fruit that we can imagine. Right. Right. And so it's just, that's on a, on a micro level, even if that's you just, you know, organizing, you know, afternoon pizza for your baseball team and mm -hmm. you do that on a regular basis your own relationships with other parents mm -hmm. with the kids that you're creating a safe space for so they can enjoy these kinds of things 
doing that out of like a Jesus orientation and posture is going to have right. you know, the bearings of fruit. And so right. it's obviously a micro level issue. Can you can you um, can you talk a little bit because you answered the question uh, I think it was two weeks ago when we were mm -hmm. at Vox. Um, so you know, for people who are listening, either watching right now on Facebook or listening to the podcast later, um, you get in family discussions, right, or you get in conversations with people, and if it's going to go political, I think for some people there's always the fear, you know, like yeah. you don't talk about religion, you don't talk about politics, so like those the, the kind of like you know the notions, right? Um, can you talk a little bit about like what is it, siege mentality? Sure. And how uh, sometimes when we enter into those things, how do we like, how do we avoid, if, if we're going to be conduits of conversation and dialogue, how do we avoid siege mentality when it comes to things like politics, especially like if we have family members who know we're in the church and then they hear Jeff Sessions say this thing about Romans 13 and you're, you're like, oh great, now I'm going to have to deal with this. But can you talk a little bit about the perspective of if you're if you're a follower of Jesus, how do you avoid the siege mentality, the binary, the, you know, the so simple binary kind of conversations? So, yeah, for sure. Um, well, okay, I can start with um, as far as like a personal way of trying to see beyond siege mentality. Um, Jesus tells us that when <laughs> when you're persecuted by the world, remember that they hated him first, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it's kind of like Jesus is already showing you. It's like, listen, like you weren't the target, right? Right. It's like you know our faith isn't under attack, right? It's like, hey, if we're going to talk about a spiritual war, for one. Yes, Satan is coming after us, but ultimately he's trying to come after Jesus. Right. Like we're, we're the ones that are kind of the byproducts of, or the, right. the, the collateral damage, you right. know, if you will. Um, the thing is, is, I think, so specifically, the more, more or less defines each mentality from a scenario. You know, we do this in sports, right? Like if, if your team, if you're a coach of a team, right, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to use hyperbole and all kinds of big things when you're trying to ramp up and rally your team. Right. You know, we're going to, you know, they've been coming after us all year long and we're right. not going to take it. Right. Right. Like, you know, it's like, we're, we're at war. Right. You know, this is a battle. You create a common enemy. You create a common right. enemy and you, you make it binary immediate. You know, mm -hmm. you don't go after and say, Hey, listen, you know, we really want to make friends with these people along the way, you know, so right. kind of share the puck a little right. bit or share the ball a little bit, but don't let them win. Right. You know, try, you know steal, well, think about their perspective. Yeah, steal, like, it, steal it at the most appropriate times. Right. You know, when they're, when it's ready to be stolen, ask them permission. Can I steal right. that ball for you? Yeah. Right. That's obviously that's, that's the end not siege mentality so it's like you're trying to create this very clear division between i'm trying to ramp up as much defense and offense mentality i can mm. to accomplish a winning goal because it suggests that i'm going to win and someone else is going to lose mm -hmm. there is no color in between right it's black and white so now you see this in politics you see this in churches you see this in in, in any kind of discussion it's very much like it's like what you said earlier if someone's going to ask a question you have to basically you know kind of pause and have the grace and patience to realize are they asking a question as an offense to my belief mm -hmm. or are they asking a question because they really want to know right right so it, it the thing is getting over siege mentality starts with you mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't come from advocacy for it and trying to get other people to think differently right that never works right you know it's like it's not like you, you come to the dinner table where you have a cousin that you know is going to disagree with you and you just you get passive aggressive and you just kind of you start asking questions that yes you want the answers for but you know it's just going to stir them up right and just being like well you got to think differently you can't come into this conversation like this that, that's never going to work right. you're just you're just poking the bear at that point right if anything it starts with you realizing i'm on the other side of the fence with this other person here and what they think um i'm going to go in this conversation being like maybe they will attack me but if i don't treat it like it's an attack and i'm graceful mm. and i'm i'm able to say you know um, I don't really understand that. Can you, like, can you share some more thoughts about that? Yeah. You know, it kind of, you, it starts with you kind of saying like, listen, I'm not, I don't think you're attacking me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I don't see this as a battle. I don't see this as a war. That's important. That's right? huge. It's like, I see this as a dialogue. It's like, I believe that you as another human being really does want the best for others. Mm -hmm. It really does want the mm -hmm. best. You know, it's like, you love your family, you know, you love your kids. So it's like, there's obviously compassion in you. And the person you know? probably loves you, which is, yeah, it. yeah. exactly. So it's like, it, it, it really kind of comes down to, you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, you almost have to get a bit more simple with how the mm. world works and not make it kind of as complicated because we can make the case that's like, well, it's just so complicated and there's no solution. So the only solution is to fight as hard as you can back. Right. Now, sadly, we're in a pretty broken political system in America that is very two-party. So it's like, even if you had, like, here, here's an example of an attack that's very siege mentality. Um, let's say I, I chose not to vote because I felt like there weren't good solutions. I knew and I'd be- a lot of people did, right? Yeah, right, and, yeah. I, and I, I, yeah, if I voted for Gary Johnson, I'd be throwing away a vote, mm -hmm. right? Oh, but if I voted for Hillary, I'd be throwing away a vote. I, I mean, either way, it sounds like I'm throwing away mm -hmm. a vote, 
So it's like I could say like, no, I'm actually I'm actually utilizing my privilege of freedom to not vote mm -hmm. because you know what's funny is my mother-in-law who's from Peru, she was required to vote. She had to go right. to LA and vote in the Peruvian government, and she hasn't lived there for like 25 wow, years. Wow, that's fascinating. Okay, so but but because she still had citizen citizenship in Peru. It was part of her law that she was required to vote. Wow. Okay, so you have to realize in that circumstance, me as an American, even though I have like the privilege to vote, I'm actually allowed to forego that privilege if I feel like mm. I'm not going to put my name on a decision that I actually feel doesn't represent my views, even my political views or personal beliefs or whatever it is. Right. So that's still a political decision, even though I'm choosing not to put my name on. That's something. good. Now other people could come at me and be like, "Well, you 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 have more privilege than that. Like this is America." You know, you you have to vote because mm -hmm. other places don't get to. It's like, yeah, and other places are forced to. Right. So there's like, an alternative. There's an right. alternative, right? So it's kind of I could, anyways. So you could you could engage that discussion, but it's really you know, um, uh, this guy named Michael Ware is fantastic. He was on the Vox podcast. Um, he worked in the Democratic office for Obama. He was working on a very large bill that was very bipartisan. That was kind of in the middle on the whole abortion conversation. Mm -hmm. It was. Really, the goal was how do we just reduce abortions in, you know, in America? Yeah. That was the agenda. It right. wasn't to try to satisfy, you know, you know, no abortions and satisfy, well, we need medicine. We need this kind of medicine mm -hmm. because it's not about the abortions necessarily, but this medicine provides for other things, but it's also used in abortion. Right. Problem was um, no one on the table would agree, like on either side, mm -hmm. because it, it compromised their hard stance. It was like, well, if conservatives come to the table and agree on this thing, they look soft. And right. then if the Democrats come to this conversation on their thing, they look soft. It looks like they, they will just perceive it as, well, someone else wins if I sign this. Uh, Rather than seeing the silver lining, which says, look, both of you agreed on something yeah. that was of value for like the whole nation. And that's something to actually celebrate. But no, you said you did the opposite. It was like, no, I'm not going to bend because it looks like they win. That's siege mentality. Right. So it's, it's, that's where that's where we run into a lot of problems when it's like, you know, and you'll get churches that have preach heavy on sermons that are very much like, well, if you're doing these things and like you're, you're outside the grace of God, that's yeah. not gospel. You know, the right. church will very much teach not Christian, you know, instead right. of here's who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Instead, they'll just be like, this is what's not Christian, you right. know, and that'll be in, in all kinds of topical sermons in the way that they kind of position the whole thing. Right. That's also similar because it creates, a, it, it's a very stancy way of trying to bring people into your organization, mm -hmm. your confirmation bias, and just make it so that our team, like we have a team at all. When Jesus, I think God's just really like, the whole human race is really a team. <laughs> right, you're in this together. Yeah, you're kind of all in this together, guys. And it's like, you, the more you go to war with yourself, is is not of, of his desire and justice. So yeah, I, I'm always interested in, in sort of, uh, when you talk about siege mentality and sort of the way people will approach conversations of politics that way, right? Where they make it uh, very binary. Uh, I have to win and, and any sort of concession is me losing. Uh, I wonder how that works out in other aspects of their life. Like, particularly if you're married. married. <laughs> it's That's like, right? Yeah, it's like, married. how does that work in your marriage? I'm curious because like for my wife and I, you know, we went through like lots of therapy uh, and I struggle with this, this, this disease of being right. And so one of the things that I learned through my therapy was relinquishing the need to be right all the time. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the way that he kind of described it was beautiful. It's just, it's like, okay, if you and I were to go to Yosemite, is there a right or a wrong way to have an adventure in Yosemite? It's like, no, like we could choose any path because we're on an adventure together, right? right. And we're going to do this thing together. Uh, and I think like, I think there's a, there's a, there's a beauty in that posture in, in everything, you know, the politics, but even just in being church culture and going like, Hey, we're on an adventure. Like you said, the whole human race is the team. Right. We're in this together and right. there's an adventure. And if we just let go of this constant desire and need to be right and just go like, hey, we're going we're gonna to have an adventure together, but we're going to do it together. And sure, we're going to disagree. And sure, we're going to have things that we feel strongly about. But at the same time, like we're going to continue to forge ahead and move together at this thing. So right. I don't know. Well, yeah. And I think to be, to be specific too, like, you know, do I believe there's evil in the world? Absolutely. Do mm -hmm. I think that like there is a way to follow God and follow Jesus that does represent the goodness that he designed us yep. in that does stand in the face of evil and contrary to Absolutely. evil. Absolutely. And I think when those things arise, we do need to have a voice. We do need to participate and stand against those things. And if you guys, again, if you go listen to Mike's podcast on that, he articulates all of that extremely well. 
Um, oh no, I just forgot my point. I had a very good point. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it's um, we should stand up for evil yep. when when we see things that are you yep. know like there is a there is a belief that there's there's things that are wrong and and so you know I was just thinking about this too uh, when you were saying about uh, uh, obedience to government and when right. there's a, a government so interesting I was doing some studying about the Romans thirteen passage and you know Greek philosophers and even Stoics. Uh, believe that there was an advantage to loyalty in their government. However, it was never at the cost of doing evil, and it was never blind allegiance. Right, right. Which is fascinating because these are like these are philosophers, and so these aren't necessarily like Jesus followers. These are people who go like, "Hey, there's a value in in, in supporting our government, but also like we're not just going to do blind allegiance and then you know, whatever you say." And when there's something wrong. If something is not good for human beings, then, you know, we need to stand up against that. Right, right. Okay, one of the things I was going to say was that, um, you know, one way to talk about this is that it's easy to kind of say, okay, well, we're in a two-party system, and a lot of um, conversations are very quote-unquote black and white. And then the second that you don't make a stance on one or the other, all of a sudden you're being gray. You mm -hmm. know, it's a way to look at it. My thing is that I, I typically say, I'm like, actually, I think there's just a lot more color. The problem is, is that like all, everything that's where there's nuance in conversation, dialogue and all of this, it's been stripped of all of its actual color and yeah. beauty of, of somewhat in the middle. It's not gray. Gray would suggest it's boring and thin and right. um, has no clarity to it and no reason behind right. it. But in fact, um, that's not true at all. I mean, I think the Bible is one great example of that kind of thing. If you just take the Bible at its literal word of yes. what it says word for word, yes. you actually miss out on so much yes. of the beauty of, of both the contrary, both the politics, both the offenses that Jesus is making. You almost can pick up on other tone in the way certain things are being said if you're reading it the right way, which if you're just reading something, it's hard to pick up on sarcasm. It's hard to right. pick up on the know, literary devices of yeah, the Bible you exactly. miss. Right? You actually miss, you're like, you're not giving yourself a chance to see the full color you know, that's Correct. there. Do I think some things in the Bible, like you read them literally and they're great and they stand on their own? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But then it's all, you go a hundred feet down into that same exact verse and you're like, oh my goodness, this text is actually incredibly compelling, mm -hmm. you know, to have done this at its time to that mm -hmm. audience. Like, mm -hmm. a, why would you even write this when this is, this is the entire culture around you. I mean, so it's it really the idea of this conversation, I think both in political conversations and in all these other contrary tensions we're going to get into probably over the next few months. Mm -hmm. My thing is that I want to bring more color to these conversations. Yeah. That's really what it is for me, is I yeah. think there's a lot more value in between just these black and white stances that a lot of folks have made on a lot of different issues. I'm like, no, there's so much more here. I mm -hmm. actually think it robs people of the integrity of humanity it just suggests it's only going to be this way or it's only going to be that way. Right. And it's almost an oppressing, it's almost a culture under oppression where it's like, well, I'm stuck to only vote for these two parties that have values that I almost disagree with on both sides. Mm -hmm. I'm just stuck. What am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it should call us into action. It should call us into some form of political response to try to raise up like what we actually think is good for human flourishing. And mm -hmm. sometimes, yeah, the, the two candidates that are up there are just are not the candidates to, to vote for. And honestly, if, if it's saying I'm giving over my vote because in some way it is a submission mm. to saying like, yes, that is now going to be who is, whoever is in power. Mm -hmm. In some way, I'm giving my kind of my empty vote to whoever does get in power. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it comes down to what we first talked about. Who do I believe right. is really in power? Right. You know, so it's like if, if that's if, if what you believe is that whoever is sitting in that executive seat holds all the power, we're going to have all kinds of problems anyways. Right. And so, I mean, that's incredibly dismissive of the entire spiritual power of the Holy Spirit, entire spiritual power of, of Jesus, like as a whole. Yeah. And so um, it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't seem consistent in the idea of allegiance to Jesus to suggest that whoever's just sitting at the head of your national power mm -hmm. is the full manifestation and representation of what God's will of power is supposed to look like for our government. Yeah. No, that's good. And, and, you know, maybe that's this is probably a good place to sort of wrap it up. But yeah. um, I think what you just said and what we've been kind of been talking about is sort of the posture that Vox as a church community holds, right? Which is there's so much color. There's so much nuance. Um, there's so much space to have conversations about things. And I think, uh, um, you know, if, if we make something so black and white, we lose the beauty uh, that is humanity. Right. And right, I think for right. so, for so many people, I think that's what the church has. I think from, at least in my experience, I feel like the church has asked me to divorce myself from my humanity. Mm. 
to not to not live to not to not uh accept my lived experience you know i, oh, I can okay. hear one yeah, thing yeah. and then be asked to like live something different and so i think um in our culture in our context being able to say like no we, we want to like talk about those things we want to invite that in and, and go yeah like you have a different experience and i don't understand all of that and maybe the way that i'm thinking about something misses your perspective or misses uh your views on it and i want to understand that better so right right yeah, I mean, it's it's for me. I'm I'm gonna look at things and say, yeah, I think everyone's wrong. At the same time, everyone's also right. You yeah, know, it's like, and that's not to wash it out. It's just that no, it's I actually think you have more than just a black and white perspective and stance on it because you arrived there somehow. I think right. the question is then just understanding how how exactly did you arrive there and how does that really hold water to what you believe? Especially if I believe the same thing you do, but I've arrived at a different conclusion. Right. It must mean that somewhere along the way that there's some kind of common space in which we do agree yeah. and that we do, you know. You know, we do connect on that on that deeper human level, and right. I, I think that's the place I'm I'm willing to go and be challenged by both in church conversations and these conversations and and all of that. So, um, so yeah, that's it for us. Uh, we're gonna yeah. wrap this show up. Um, again, uh, leave your questions in the comments. You know, we'll jump back into this and, and try to you know comment back and all of that. But uh, thanks for hanging. Yeah, with, thanks for hanging with us, guys. Yeah, thanks for hanging again. Um, you can uh, go on the Vox Community Podcast and listen to this show. You can go on the website um, and watch this show. Um, it won't be available at this moment right away. I've got to kind of build it and set it up. It won't take long. Um, but otherwise, um, you know, tune in um, every week around this time. Uh, yep. For many of you, you're probably going to catch the show later tonight, you know, after you come home from work. Um, this is Ronnie as I work time. We're able to do this right now and do this, but at least uh, we can have these conversations and we're inviting you guys in. So please, if you have thoughts, um, contrary opinions to stuff that we were saying. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to discuss it. Yeah. And um, yeah, hopefully I will see you next week. Great. See you guys.